Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Zozo, how are you? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I literally just got home from work, so I'm doing another two weeks. Uh, two weeks? Three weeks? <laughs> Three weeks. I don't know. Uh, on drive time, so I literally just got home, and um, I've just poured myself a large glass of wine, standard, and um, here I am for you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. Just, I don't even know the days of the week anymore, if I'm honest. They all just roll in. They literally every day rolls into one, but we did have another night off um parenting on Saturday night which was really nice can we just take a moment to talk about how absolutely ridiculously fit you looked on Saturday what oh. your hair I had to do my hair without a mirror oh mate shut up it really you do it without a mirror all the time I know I'm not joking <laughs> I've never had so many comments on how nice my hair looked and I thought bloody hell I didn't even look in the mirror do you reckon it's the Dyson hair wrap do you know what it is? It's my mum's um, and I borrowed it. Enough. I know. Well, I know. I did actually give it back to her. And she was like, no, 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 you can keep it for a while. You like it more than I do. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to buy my own. And now I really regret that decision. Yeah. But, what you should um, have said, well, Zoe really likes it. <laughs> she wants to have it. Yeah, you look amazing. Oh, did you have a nice house? Did you get drunk? Um, we didn't really get drunk. We um, we just went to like for dinner with some friends, and we just sort of stayed in the restaurant till like about half twelve, chatting. Oh, oh my god! But nice. drama on the way home. I had Ooh. to call an ambulance for somebody. Oh my god! Gee, what happened? So we were just dropped our friends home. We just driving along the road, and there was this young boy. I reckon he was between fifteen and eighteen, lying unconscious on the floor. <sighs> and you know what? Like. People were just walking past him, like no. just walking past. And I kept looking over my shoulder thinking like, is this, you know, is it a joke? Like, is he with somebody and he's pretending? And anyway, I said, James, pull over. Let's have a look. And it wasn't. So um, I, I got out and called an ambulance for him. Oh, and um, I know. And it's weird because I don't know. I don't know. In those sorts of situations, it's like you almost don't want to get too close in case you see something. Like the man on the um, on the phone, like when I dialed nine nine nine, was like, "Is he dead?" And I and I hadn't even thought that oh. in my head. You know, I hadn't even thought that. And then I suddenly didn't want to get any closer in case he was. Mm. And then I wouldn't be able to get that out of my mind. But anyway, mm. they were amazing. That um, the ambulance came so quickly. 
Um, and he drunk. I don't know. He he'd hit his head definitely because um, he kept saying that his head hurt and stuff at the back. So I don't know if he was like concussed or he maybe had been drinking, had a fight, something. But anyway, it was all fine. But yeah, absolutely scary. Drama. Do you reckon he sort yeah. of had one eye open? He was going, "Poor, oh, she's really shit." <laughs> What's she got on? Oh, what? New look. It's an angel's come to my rescue. No, in all seriousness, well done, because that could be that could be an axel. You know That's I mean? exactly I mean, what I said. Not. James was taking yeah. the mickey out of me. I was like, no, that could be our son, James. Yeah, no, yeah. Well done. You've done the right thing. Um, and how was your weekend? Do you know what? I was suffering extreme parenting guilt on Sunday because obviously I'm having to work six days out of seven, which is a total joy. I love my job, but also I just feel like I'm constantly saying goodbye to the kids. Oh, and they're like, yeah. don't go to work, mummy, don't go to work. I mean, that just that parenting guilt just never goes away. Um, yeah. So, and, and obviously it was the anniversary of my dad's death on Sunday, um, yeah. seven years. And it was just a hard day. And then Kit, when I left, Kit was so hysterical that I was going to work again on Sunday morning. And I just oh. was in the car driving, just thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? I just don't want to leave them. I almost turned around and rung my boss and said, I'm sorry, I can't come in. But, you know, I don't get the option oh, to do that. Um, when I got back, I basically was like, right, phone down. And I, I spent two hours, no joke, on the slip and slide with them. <laughs> well, I'm going to post a video of what happened and what it looked like. But it is the best. It, I think it cost 20 quid from Amazon. And it's the yeah, best we've got kit. one. <laughs> and it's amazing. So I just did that. We built a, we built a, be- a, a den. We had a roast. I know it was the hottest day of the year, but we were like, let's have a roast with outside. It was just a really lovely parenting day. So I feel like I've pressed the reset button, actually, and I feel a lot better. Oh, that's good. It's rubbish, yeah. actually. That's, that is the worst thing. I mean, I actually don't really get the mummy please day very often. Um, <laughs> I usually get, like, ushered out. You know, like, like, okay, you can go now. You can yeah. go now. Um, <laughs> but I know, no, I do know exactly how you feel. It's yeah, rubbish. it's tough. It's tough. But it's all it's all fine. And listen, it's all part of parenting, isn't it? Um, exactly. And it kind of leads us on nicely to a different form of becoming a parent. Because, yes. obviously, you and I had pretty similar um I was gonna say like sexual experiences we did not have very similar sex experiences. I don't want to ask that question but our, our like falling pregnant was pretty kind of straightforward in terms straightforward. of yeah. you know us and our husbands it works and you know we're so lucky and so grateful that it did work the way it works because it you know you just never know um exactly. the two women that we're chatting to today um had very very different um I mean, what's the word? Journeys, I guess, to parenting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. One. One of the ladies that we're talking to. Um, you'll, obviously, you'll hear this in the chat, but couldn't fall pregnant naturally, and so she had to look to other options. And the other option was absolutely incredible, and we cannot wait to share this with you. Um, so, should we just get straight to it? So, today we're chatting to two incredible ladies from the Mindful Birth Group. Let's get into it. So another day, another podcast. Uh, This one is a really lovely one. Georgia and I fell in love with this story when these two wonderful women reached out to us on Instagram. And it was after um, them hearing the podcast that we did with two two gay dads who had a surrogate and they told their story. And then we got an email from Sophie and Em saying, we want to tell our story (laughs) as women. In surrogacy. So today we're really excited. We've got Ems, who's got a, a four-year-old girl called Molly and two-year-old Theo and Sophie, who's just had Leo, who's four months old, and they're going to tell us their surrogacy story. Welcome! <laughs> 
<laughs> thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Really, what we want to know is obviously how you got to where you are today. But firstly, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, sure. So I'm Em, and um, I met Sophie at school, um, at secondary school, so a good 20 years ago now. Um, and I've got my little girl, Molly, and little boy, Theo, and they're um, four and two. Okay, and who are you married to, Ems? Uh, so James is my other half, my yes. husband, and he, um, yeah, very much part of this journey too. And I am Sophie. Um, I'm 34 now. Um, I started um, our fertility journey just after we got married when um, we were 28. So it's been quite a long road. Um, I'm married to my husband, Jack. We've been married eight years. And yeah, we now have a little boy called Leo, who's four months old, who yeah, is our little rainbow baby. Um, I mean, really, we just want to know how did it come about? How, you know, how did how did you decide to, you know, be a surrogate for your mate? <laughs> so well, we've been friends for a long time, for over 20 years. We met at um, secondary school. And I guess, obviously, we definitely weren't thinking about it back then. <laughs> but as kind of time went on and we hit our 30s, started to think about kids and I was very lucky that um, my kind of fertility journey was quite short and I uh, got pregnant with my daughter Molly um, fairly um, easily and Sophie got pregnant at the same time. So can we just can we just go back to the moment where Ems you fell pregnant and Sophie you pretty much got pregnant at the same time? Yes so um, when we were starting to try for a baby Em and I um, sort of fell pregnant um, at the same time which was incredible for a couple of weeks and we were really excited. Um, we were the first out of our group of friends um, to try for babies and get pregnant. Um, unfortunately, mine and Jack's story didn't go as well as um, Em and Jane's um, and our first pregnancy ended in an ectopic where I had uh, my left tube removed. Mm. So that was kind of the start of quite a long six years for Jack and I. Um, of going through, uh, we ended up with um, having two ectopic pregnancies where both my tubes ended up being removed and um, various early miscarriages around six or seven within that time as well, um, which also included four rounds of IVF. So there was quite a lot that happened within those six years to get us to the point of surrogacy. Um, Eptopic pregnancies, just give Mm -hmm. us a reminder on what exactly happens to the fetus. So the embryo um, basically starts growing and gets trapped in your fallopian tube. And it doesn't always have to be your tube. It can be your uterus. But mine were, my ectopics were in both my tubes, um, which is, there's a very slim chance that it happens twice. um, But unfortunately, it did for us. Um, so yeah, there's no way of saving the pregnancy. Um, and it can also be very dangerous, um, if the tube erupts. So I, um, got given medication to try and help that. However, that didn't work. And I did end up with both my tubes being removed, which obviously is not something, you know, an early 30 year old wants to, to have happen considering we can now not, um, no longer get conceived naturally. So that was quite a big hit for us. Um, yeah <laughs> absolutely and M, obviously in this time you had two children what was it like seeing your mate going through you know all of these struggles when at the beginning your journeys looked like they were going to be the, you know the same yeah oh it was completely heartbreaking and 
you know, ironically, it was Soph that convinced me to have a baby <laughs> um, because, you know, she was very ready and I was like putting it off. Um, and, you know, my husband was really ready as well. And so I just said, come on, like you, you're ready now. Like we're, we're hit our 30s. Let's do it. <laughs> and so I was like, OK. And it happened for me. And, I, you know, it was I never felt a guilt as such, but I felt a real sadness, obviously, um, yeah. that she wasn't um, able to, to, to do that as well at the same time. Um, but I guess we never, it, it, as time went on, we kind of hoped, it kept hoping and hoping it would happen eventually, um, yeah. but, it, but it just didn't. What, what sort of things were you saying to Sophie when she was going through all this? Because um, obviously you were navigating your way as a new mum. Yeah. Um, I guess it was very much, you know, this is this is not the end. Like there was there was other tests to do, and there was, um, you know, she's the queen of research, so she'd always there would always be something else that they could try um, for a long time. Anyway, she said it was six years, so there was always something else they could do, a test they could take, or a different avenue um, in terms of what they could take. Um, you know, hormone wise, medication wise, yeah. that kind of thing. So it was always like just cling to that hope and keep going. But once the once the tubes have been removed, Sophie, yeah. just just because I'm not a medical expert mm-hmm. at all, um, once the tubes have been removed, that means you can carry a baby, but you can no longer have a baby yeah. naturally. You have to go down the IVF route. Is that correct? Yeah. So no, yeah. So I did have a lot of medication, a lot of tests within those six years um, because I also nat- would fall pregnant. Like before the second tube was removed, I would fall pregnant naturally. However, would still have an early miscarriage. So there was that element of what um, you know that nobody knew exactly what the issue was as such. Um, so yes, after the second tube was removed, the only way of conceiving would be was IVF. However, before that, I was also going through IVF just so that they could test the embryos just to see if there was anything you know um chromosome normal with them so um within that time period we were we were kind of conceiving naturally and through IVF so it was kind of both at that point um what was really tricky was you didn't know like if it was your body or the embryo no No, um because the other the other thing to add to my long list was that I had a a low egg reserve which is low AMH they call it um So we never knew, or the doctors didn't know if it was my body couldn't carry a child or whether my eggs were just really bad quality and that that was the problem. Yeah. Um, so when it got to the point of deciding what our next route was, it was a very yeah. tricky decision to make, um, yeah. whether that was surrogacy or donor eggs, say. Um, yeah, yeah. So. And which one of you brought up um the surrogacy so did em did you say to sophie i know i can be your surrogate or, or how did that conversation go who brought it up first so um i think when i don't know exactly what mark it was maybe like for the five year-ish mark of the six years i started thinking about it and thinking you know maybe i could do this for them and i'd speak to james about it many times before we offered it um and we actually i actually spoke to her she had a particularly bad day had bad news um of some sort and I just said look I'd be willing to do this for you because uh, I didn't really know like what a surrogate was as such I was just thinking about it as you know I'm gonna I can help them carry their baby because surrogacy is such a um it's not very well known here is it so yeah. Yeah. um I didn't really go on to google and google surrogate I kind of go- I was googling different ways to have a baby you know um and I'd kind of understand like what the process would be for me before I actually offered it for safe um 
yeah and so then we I we went for a drive one day when I think went for a coffee and then um I just said to her I'll do this for you if if you want me to it's an option and I knew that she wouldn't be able to tell me there and then obviously there was lots of conversations with um her husband Jack and things to have but you know as far as James and I were concerned we were absolutely 100% up for it um but I was pregnant with Theo at the time so I was in my second trimester so it was very much as long as this goes okay I'm up for it um but give you time to kind of think about it and that kind of thing um and then it was kind of left for a bit wasn't it Soph because you had a bit um a few more incidences after then yes (laughs) What, what, what does that mean so I, when M, well, when M offered, I was in quite a bad place mentally. Um, mm. Kind of reached my limit on what I felt I could cope with. Um, well, both Jack and I, to be honest. Um, and when she offered, I did think she was a bit mad. <laughs> you know, well, that's incredible, like the most amazing offer. But you know, I can't ever see that actually happening. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know how seriously we initially took it, but um, M then wrote us a letter, M and James wrote us a letter. And I think it was after that that letter that I thought, do you know what? I think they are very serious about this, Jack. I think we might have to think about it. Um, I've got goosebumps. Me too. I know. Oh my God. What did the letter say? Um, <laughs> the letter basically said, I know you don't believe us. I'm, you know, <laughs> um, but if it comes to the point where you have reached, you know, have gone through everything you can go through, we want to give you that hope back because we had lost, we had lost all hope, you know. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to say we'd lost all hope because I still had, you know, one percent of me knew that I, I was meant to be a mum. But at that point, when you're hammered down so much and you have so much, you know, that goes wrong and failure, it's very hard to pick yourself back up. Um, so Jack and I went traveling, um, for, we took a break, we went traveling for three months and it was on that, um, when we were in Australia that we decided that actually it didn't matter what the journey was. We just wanted the baby. So if that Mm -hmm. meant that I was never going to carry my own child, then I began to accept that. But you fell pregnant there, didn't you say? Yes, yes. And then I fell pregnant naturally. And that was, um, yeah, that didn't end well either. So I think that pregnant naturally without your tubes. No, this was, this This was, was sorry, this was pre, sorry, I'm just trying to get the timeline right. So that was before they took the second tube out, you fell pregnant naturally. And then you sadly lost that baby as well. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I think that was the final sort of nail in the coffin, as it were. Um, And that's when we thought, you know what? I think let's let's try. Let's see if 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 M can carry our child. Then that's my next, you know, best bet, isn't it? That um, I trust her implicitly. Um, and if I can't be pregnant with my child, then I I want her to be. If if it if it worked out that way anyway. And 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 Sophie, what was going on between you and Jack at this point? Because I guess after five or six years of mm-hmm. you know having all this devastating grief and loss and the lows that you were going through, did it put a strain on your relationship? Um, I it did at points, um, especially when I didn't want to give up. I just I would have gone I would have gone through fifty rounds of IVF if it meant I would have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, he was more sensible, as it were. And he said, if it's just me and you, Sophie, um, God, it makes me emotional. <laughs> if it's just 
continue um, for the rest of our lives, then I'm happy with that. Um, but I knew deep down that, you know, he, he wanted to be a dad more than I'd ever wanted, you know, before long before I wanted to be a mum. So yeah. um, there was definite strain there, but I think that's why um, I think it makes or breaks you when you're going through things like this. Yeah. And it definitely made us stronger in the long run. That's why we went traveling and, you know, we had that time just, just me, and, me and him. Um, to think and to talk and to not be think you know always um, focused on fertility and having a baby so that was really important for us yeah. I think everyone was having babies at that time weren't they so so it wasn't yeah an easy place to be at home no no it wasn't it was yeah it was tough I gave up my job at the time because I just I couldn't cope with the stress of that and the stress mm. of trying for, the, for a baby but yeah yeah goodness. and Sophie do you remember after you got back from that trip how the conversation went with Em and her husband that you decided that you were going to take them up on the offer yeah I mean I just had so a month after we got back I'd had the surgery for the second ectopic um yeah and um we invited them over and we I think we had a barbecue or something we sat in the garden um with Molly and Theo and I we said if if you would still consider it, we would love to take you up on the offer. Um, and Em said, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, Theo was only three months at that point. So wow, wow. hadn't put her off either. So we were that was, a, that was the first thing I said when um, we spoke to each other after Theo yeah. was born. I was like, I'm still doing it for you. Because I knew <laughs> in the back of her head after I'd had him that she'd be thinking, is she going to do that again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is like a, a massive thing for you, Sophie. But Ems, you're, what, you're, what you offered to do to carry somebody else's baby for them. I mean, yeah. what, what, I guess, what was kind of going through your head at that point? What, what, what were you worried about and what were you feeling okay about? I guess it's, it's such a process because, um, I know it's a cliche, but it is because you don't just suddenly think, oh, I'm going to have someone else's baby like, overnight. It's, it's such a long journey to getting to that thought. <laughs> um, and obviously seeing my best friend go through everything that she did. Um, and I knew that my pregnancies had gone quite smoothly. So I just thought, why not give it a go? And if it's, I'm very much a, a fate believer. If it's not meant to be, it won't happen. And if yeah. it does, it will. Um, yeah. And it did the <laughs> first time. So um, yeah, so I just, I really thought I'll let, almost to let science do its magic if it's going to work it will and if it, if it won't then we've tried yeah and so when you so you've decided you you know that you're you're going to do this where do you go to I mean I wouldn't know where you know do you go to the doctor together who, who where do you go to where do you start, start? The journey? yeah <laughs> where do you go so I'll take this one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was already with an IVF clinic. So I, when M offered, I had spoken to them and said, um, this is our clinics in London. Um, was this something that they'd be able to help us with? And they said, absolutely. They don't have loads of cases of surrogacy, um, but um, they, they'd obviously experienced it before. So we went, we took M down there and we had a meeting with a consultant and they basically check all of M's history. Um, they go through all of that. Um, we talked through the process of IVF because obviously M had not been through that before, only seen me go through it. Um, so that was kind of the starting point. Um, you get to a point where you then have to have group counselling and individual counselling and the clinic have to tell you if they feel 
yes, this is, you can go ahead. Basically, we think you're, you know, okay to do this, M and James, um, or not. So that went well. And and what sort of questions are they asking you, Ems, when you're in that in those sort of group therapy sessions? Um, so basically, um, are you sure you want to do this? So that's really weird because they're they're very much trying to put you off <laughs> because I guess if you really want to do something, then you'll do it. But even if someone's telling you, you know, are you sure you you know the risks, you know how um, that you don't know how you're going to feel after having the baby, all these things, which is what they should do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very it's very strange to be kind of grilled about it in that way. Um, and James came along to those sessions as well. Um, so he was also asked, um, you know, is, the, is he sure, you know, this isn't just a, an overnight thing. It's nine months <laughs> plus the recovery yeah. time as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were very sure and it is a good process to go through. I have to say I had, I had tried to put him off like many times because <laughs> <laughs> I needed to be sure myself that it was something I felt she could cope with as well. 
Oh, I mean, he was always 100% supportive. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but there, there were, of course, challenges. I mean, we've got two young children where yeah. two and a four-year-old, you know, they're relentless. So um, I'd be swanning off for our appointments most um, weeks or, you know, uh, uh, quite a lot anyway. Um, and it would be like a nice day out for me because I'd get a nice quiet coffee with Soph and it would be all lovely. Yeah. And James would be at home with the with the kids. Um, so, so, yeah, it was a good time in our lives as well because James um, took a career break. Um, to we downsized our home and bought a camper van so we were in this like world of getting away from commitments as well so it was a good time for us because wow. we had a lot of free time yeah. um, and we were doing a bit of traveling with the kids as well so uh, yeah it was a good time to do it he was always supportive but of course there were times where we were a bit like oh god like this appointment couldn't come at a worse time but of course, yeah. we, we knew that at the beginning because yeah. that's just, yeah, everything has its ups and downs, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. And Sophie and um, both of you, how was your relationship throughout those months? You know, did Sophie, did you find it difficult to watch Em carry your baby or were you, you just grateful the whole time? How, how was that? Um, I mean, initially, I, I just think I, I just couldn't believe that someone would offer to do this for another person, regardless of how close you'd been, you know, for 20 yeah. years. But I'd never been pregnant, so I didn't know, you know, how big a commitment it, it was. Um, but no, there was never, I mean, M has always put me at ease, put me at ease from the minute she offered. Um, you know, my own insecurities about not carrying my child, you know, not giving birth to my own child. She always just gave me the confidence to be like, Sophie, it's absolutely fine. And you're allowed to feel exactly how you want to feel. However, this is, you know, this is your journey. And I'm here with you the whole time, whatever you need. If you want to see me every day, if you don't want to see me, you know, I've got your back, basically. And I really appreciated that. Because, of course, you don't know how you're going to feel watching another woman, you know, mm-hmm. carry a baby. Yeah. But it was exciting. I mean, we had so many, you know, um, so much that um, we went to together, you know, all the scans and M made sure that that journey was special for Jack and I, even though she was the pregnant one. Yeah, that's amazing. And so it's it's your, so let's just break it down. Sophie, it's yeah. your eggs and it's Jack's sperm and you... Yeah. Go, you have your eggs. Um, well, just talk me through that process. So about a year before we transferred to M, Jack and I went through our final round of IVF to get um, some embryos. So yeah, it's our, so he's genetically all ours. Um, we froze the uh, our embryos. They were PGS tested, which means they look at uh, checking that their chromosomally normal, which they yep, were. Yeah. Um, and we'd always decided that we'd just transfer one. Um, I think some people you can transfer two, but that wasn't something that we wanted to do. Um, So, yeah, um, a year later was when uh, M had finished breastfeeding Theo, so we were all set to go, and, yeah, we transferred uh, July 2019. So Jack, M, and I went down to the clinic together. We made a day of it. We were nervous but excited. (laughs) um and yeah it was incredible it was magical um the two weeks after that were quite I mean my anxiety levels were pretty high waiting for that pregnancy test um yeah yeah that was uh the two-week wait they say in the fertility world so 
Yeah, that was quite nerve-wracking. Lots of people sort of band around all these comments about surrogacy. Like, I've heard somebody say, oh, surrogacy is illegal in this country. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, it's not illegal. No. But you can't be seen to be paying for a surrogate. Is that correct? No, you can't. You can't advertise for a surrogate and you can't pay them. You can pay them um, reasonable expenses up to a certain amount um, of money. So, um, so. All of M's travel, all of her pregnancy clothes, pregnancy vitamins, um, things like that, any childcare that would have been needed, yeah. that's all classed as reasonable expenses. Um, right. It is a different process, I guess, for M and I because we were friends. So I never went through an agency. So I guess if you did, there would be other other costs involved. But yeah. It was different for us. And I, this might sound silly, but did you have to – put together like a, a contract or anything when it came to um yeah the, the, the end you know when it came to ha- giving birth and handing the baby over was there anything legal that you had to put in place so it's not legal but they do advise so our clinic advised us to have a surrogacy agreement in place all four of us right. yeah it. and within that agreement it said things like um if something were to happen to the baby whose decision is that if something happens to M and they need to make a decision about the baby whose decision is that that right type of things um we had to update our wills didn't we yeah. to kind of say because I would be that I am still the legal yeah. um the legal on paper yeah. um, mum and James is actually the dad which yeah. is really odd and what's backwards. that sorry say that again then <laughs> yeah. um so at, uh, until the parental order has gone through um right. the birth mother is the mother legal mother and the, the if they're married then the dad is the parent the, they're both the parents basically what um, yeah <laughs> there's no genetic connection to you guys no and this is hopefully going to change yeah. in the future like it's kind of going through review now isn't it so for 2021 yeah. um, to go to yeah. parliament but at the moment that's how it is and so that's why that it's so um well hopefully it's going to change but it's not certain yet but it's going to through review at the moment to go to parliament in 2021 yeah which will mean that the you know the, the genetic parents are initially on that birth certificate mm. Right. So how long is it for you guys until, Sophie, you're the legal parent? Well, because of COVID, we couldn't register Leo um, for until the beginning of July. So right. until that happened, I couldn't submit all the court um, papers. Yeah. But we heard yesterday that hopefully we'll get a date in October. So it's not it's not too long to wait. Um, and like, you know, that was always something that played on my mind, you know, not going on my own child's birth certificate. But as Em always said to me, it's just paperwork and it's yeah well do you know what it's tick boxing isn't it and they have to go through that and actually you know you are you are the you're the mom and you're the mom and like yeah Yeah. there's nothing yeah and em and em's like what i mean i don't know there's so much i want to ask you firstly i I can't i get i'm getting emotional because i just cannot believe that you would do that for your best friend like that's the most incredible this is the most incredible story do you not agree absolutely yeah it's it's I mean it's so selfless it's it's incredible George you're gonna have a baby for me (laughs) because I can't have any (laughs) we're best friends aren't we come on (laughs) 
<laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> that when you got given birth, Em, how was your how was the labour and and what was that process like for you afterwards? And what happened when you actually gave birth in terms of handing um, yeah. uh, Leo over? So we, um, after much discussion, and I had my two babies at home, at home births with them, um, but after much discussion with Soph and Jack and, you know, my own thought process as well, we decided to plan for a C-section birth. Um, Really lots of reasons, but um, mainly I know I'm a hypnobirthing teacher, so I really understand how the body works and how, um, you know, you have to produce your hormones and you need to be in this safe kind of um, place that you feel really comfortable and um, there's no interruptions and that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, this baby was going to be the most awaited baby in the world, (laughs) in our world. Um, So that pressure, I think, would have probably impacted me quite a bit. Um, And so we all just thought, actually, and this was pre-COVID that we had this conversation, but in the end it was definitely the best thing with COVID as well because he was born during the the pandemic um so yeah we went we decided to plan for a c-section um so he was so that Jack would be able to be there as well um and that you know everyone in the room would be would understand what was going on so everyone would yeah. know that they were the parents and he could be handed straight to them which um you know it was I'm very lucky that I can compare the two births because I've got home birth and C-section and honestly both were just as magical. Wow. <laughs> and then, and then oh my gosh. Had the C-section. Mm. What happens then? Do you did you did you cuddle Leo? Did you hand him straight over to Sophie? What what was that so moment like? They the the doctor um, the surgeon lifted Leo up and Sophie and Jack could see him straight away and then they lifted they lowered the curtain a little bit so I could see him too and Sophie actually filmed it didn't you Sophie yeah. the whole thing so we've got um, that a little back on and he went and got cleaned up and was handed straight to Sophie for, for skin yeah. to skin and I had a cuddle later on but it was really important for them to to have yeah. that skin to skin time with him. Mm. and the hospital were the hospital were incredibly supportive of our situation Mm. considering you know they don't usually deal with a lot of surrogacy cases so yeah we gave um m jack and i a private room for the for the night and so we were all together um and we stayed there with leo um for one night before we left the hospital the next day so i think we got that time with m afterwards as well um yeah for her recovery and which was really which was really good um but yeah it was the most it was the most the magic most magical day it was just I mean, I felt very lucky to be able to be in the room with my friend, you know, my best friends who had just had yeah. a baby. You don't get to do that very often. No. I could just sit there in my bed getting fed and, yeah. you know, getting, bringing me all the snacks and just watching them trying to navigate this, like, newborn little like, <laughs> bundle. And um, how, have you, how have you explained to your children? I mean, your youngest mm. probably won't understand, but your eldest, you know, will sort of understand. Yeah. How did you explain that to her? So um, Soph brought us this amazing book called The Kangaroo Pouch and it's for children. I think it was written in either America or Australia. I can't remember. Yeah. America. Yeah. Um, and it's basically the story of kangaroos. Um, I'm guessing Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. It felt like quite American when we were reading it though, but yeah, probably. <laughs> I had actually made that connection. That really hard, <laughs> <laughs> well, you just had a baby, you just had another baby, it's fine. <laughs> I'll blame that. Um, so the Australian book, The Kangaroo Pouch, um, <laughs> has this um, family who have their babies and um, the mum decides to help 
the, the sad kangaroos um, who are watching everyone kind of grow up together have their baby. And then um, it does talk about the embryo and the, the transfer and things like that as well in a very, very basic cartoon way, but in a way that is understandable for little ones. Yeah. And to be honest, she the, the bit she grasped the most was around the, the Soph and Jack didn't have their baby so we were helping them have theirs and you know Leo would be going to them and of course there were days where you know uh, especially later in pregnancy where I couldn't do as much you know how you just get like so heavy and um, immobile and um, Molly really looked forward to me being able to sort of run around with her again um yeah. but that there was no sort of negativity around it and you know I can't wait for her to really understand it one day um, when she does ask questions because yeah I think it's a team effort from our family and hopefully she'll be quite proud of that too yeah oh, wow I think she's going to be completely blown away by both of you and your amazing <laughs> husband as well um Ems, honestly was there any um blues afterwards in terms of uh, maybe a, an amount of grief or were you just completely happy to be like this is not my baby there you go <laughs> Yeah, so um, I I didn't get baby blues with Molly and Theo, and I didn't get the kind of scheduled five, three to five day blues with Leo either. But I did when I was saying to Soph that when we left the hospital, they drove me home because um, it's kind of on their way home anyway. Um, so dropped me off in the look quite late at night, and I just felt kind of that it's almost like after a wedding where everything's done and all the guests go home, and you just it's that immense like pressure just gone and it was really emotional because I just felt it was all done now um, yeah in a, in a good way but also that kind of okay it's done <laughs> so now <Yeah>. what <laughs> um so never a kind of an attachment to Leo as such but yes. probably the whole yeah. process because it was just such an amazing thing to go through with them yeah yeah oh <laughs> you're amazing women I can't, I can't you know what I am I tried to do it well I said I tried to do it I offered it to my sister when I, when I was still able to have, have children a few years back. In fact, even I think it must have been in between, get this right, before Luna. So, yeah, before Luna, when I didn't really know what was going on with my fertility and my sister had been trying for a year and she was just so devastated and then they told us mm. that she'd obviously gone through early menopause and there were no eggs left. And I said, well, look, mm. you can get a donor egg or, you know, you can just use one of my eggs and we can – and then it was like, well, hang on, she can't use her own eggs. So yeah. if, I, if I do this for her, it's whose baby is it going to be? Because if mm. it's a donor egg, then Catherine could have housed a baby and done it herself. What am I offering? So it wasn't quite right. The it wasn't quite the right setup for her. But I didn't yeah. consider it. I just don't think Ems. If I could, I just don't mm. think I could have done it. I think you yeah. are both incredible. Absolutely. And Ems, Sophie, do you think you'd do it again? Yeah. Good question, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Emma answer this one. <laughs> so as much as I love them all, I said it was a one-time offer. Yeah. <laughs> um, although Soph's mum does always give me a little nudge. <laughs> um, but I think, Soph, you would definitely think about doing oh, it. Uh, oh, I mean, we've got one frozen embryo left, which is whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know, because it's just sort of sat there waiting for the next step of the plan. Yeah. Um, would you go through surrogacy again then, Soph? Just find find another surrogate and go for it. Um, Yes, I definitely consider that. I don't. I think it would be very different to our journey. Our journey with M. Yeah, um, there'd be a lot more to consider and think about. However, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm up for a challenge, and yeah. I do think that if it came to it, I would look into it. Yeah, 
just because we have that we have still got one embryo and you know that little embryo could turn into another little leo so yeah you can't think about it now though so because you've got a four month old that's i know (laughs) (laughs) wow i'm just blown away by how incredible you both are yeah (laughs) me too me too guys and i know that um that is you know it's a big story to share but i think if we Mm. can normalize surrogacy and you know it's quite um it's quite interesting to kind of think that it's very old-fashioned to think that oh you know women will just get pregnant and it's easy and it's happening Mm. and it's like that's just not the reality for some people so we really need to start introducing you know and normalizing that there are other options you know great IVF but what if that doesn't work yeah exactly yeah Yeah, I think I definitely experienced lots of different reactions throughout the pregnancy as well and I never sort of lied about it because the easy option would have been just to say it was my third one <laughs> but yeah. it was I much preferred telling telling people obviously it was about surrogacy and lots of people reacted of you know reacted by saying is it I thought it was illegal or you know have you have they paid you for it yeah. like you must be getting loads of money for it mm-hmm. or you know obviously everyone was very positive but there were the odd few who were a bit um un- uneasy about it as well uneducated <laughs> Yeah, that's why Em and I wrote about our whole journey the whole time, like each step of the way. Because Mm -hmm. I'd have found, if I'd have found someone going through it when I was considering it, it would have given me that hope. So I just want to get the you know surrogacy people to understand it a little bit more. Absolutely, we yeah. I mean, we truly believe that sharing stories, whatever they are, just even if it helps one other person, is yeah. an important story to tell. Yeah. And um, before we say goodbye, if anybody is considering either being a surrogate or trying to find a surrogate, where do they start? Is there anything, anything online for them? Um, I would start looking at Surrogacy UK. Um, I did have a look at um, them. However, because our journey was different and we were going with a friend, um, it was, you know, it was a it was a different process for us. Um, there are obviously um, surrogacy agencies that you can um, go to and speak to um, lots of lovely people out there um, that I communicate with a little bit on Instagram. So, yeah, I would just and I'd also have a look at people's stories because there are people on social media who are um you know, sharing their surrogacy journeys. And that's yeah. always helpful. And everyone's always um, willing to talk about, you know, their process. So, And we are putting together like a little online support pack um, for fertility journeys, which will yeah. include surrogacy. Um, and so that should hopefully be out by the end of August. But it's basically just putting resources together. Um, right. I'm a hypnobirthing teacher, so I'm going to record a few relaxations for, for the different kind of situations and things. But that would be a, a good place to look as well. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so much, guys. Thank you. Oh my God. What an incredible story. I know. Honestly, I have not stopped thinking about this. Like, since obviously we read their story, I just keep thinking how selfless that is to no. do that for somebody. Like, I'd love to say I would do it, but I, I really don't think I could. Isn't that awful? Is that no, awful? it's not. I don't think I don't think a lot of people could do it, and that's why surrogates yeah. are such incredible people because yeah. you know they're they're giving the biggest gift of all to another person. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean. I just think their relationship is so wonderful. What what an amazing friendship. And actually, know. you know, Em's when she said, you know, I got home after the cesarean and and it was just me and there was that slight feeling of emptiness. But then I remembered how incredible, you know, that moment was where I got to spend the night 
you know, in the room, you know, with my best friend and yeah. her husband, you know, exactly. giving them their baby because it's, you know, as much as M's carried the baby and did all that kind of stuff, but genetically, you know, it's, it's yeah. so cool. So, yeah, yeah I mean, wow, I'm just so grateful that that they got in touch with us and that we could share that story with you guys because, wow, I'm, I'm like still taking my breath away. <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. I just... I, it's weird because I not I don't feel guilty that I wouldn't do it, but I just am absolutely in awe of Ems yeah. for doing that. Yeah, and she just must feel incredible for her, you know being able to do that for her best friend. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Wasn't there it? isn't oh. yeah, there isn't anything better you could probably do for somebody else. No, and just in terms of where we are with our friendship, I will obviously like plan parties, <laughs> take you out on a night out, but like Cara, they Maybe we should draw up some kind of contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, <laughs> I will babysit, but I won't house a baby. Yes, know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, okay, fine. So just so we're clear. Um, well, listen, we are going to be back on Friday with another Q&A podcast. Um, and of course, we'll be doing products for you as well on Friday. So you can kind of find out what we've been loving this week um, and what we're absolutely obsessed with. We'll obviously um, put those all over the Instagram as well so you kind of know what we're up to date with. But um, yeah, as always, we'd love you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. And please do keep your guest suggestions coming, you know, topics you want us to hear us chat about. Drop us a message at Made by Mummers or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman. And of course, we do have like a whole library full of podcasts as well um, with some amazing interviews from like Erin McNaught, Vogue Williams. Um, we chatted to Kimberly Walsh. So if you haven't heard those, just go back and enjoy. And we'll see you Friday. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.